So, but we have a lot of stories with the different guests. And one of them, we had a guest, they called him Santa Claus because he was a big burly guy and he had a voice that was like really deep and the beard and all that. This is Laura Mills, a volunteer for the warming shelter at St. Mary Parish in Royal Oak. So he'd come in and some nights he'd be fine, but when he was drinking hard, he was not a good drunk. And if he was disruptive, we would have to ask him to leave. And we hated that, but one person can disrupt a hundred. So, but then he'd always come back the next night and go, oh, Laura, I'm sorry. But one year he didn't show up. And somebody, one of the guests came and said, oh, we heard he died. This is a reality Laura has unfortunately grown accustomed to working in the shelter over the years. Every year we lose one or two of the regular guests who come year after year. So about a week into it, I always park in the same spot in the parking lot here. I park, get out of my car, and I hear this voice from the shadows, is that Laura? <laughs> and I looked around, and he it was Santa Claus, and he comes out of the shadows, and I said, oh my gosh, I heard you died. He said, I heard that too. <laughs> and it was just hilarious, and so he stayed with us again that season. And this was a man who we never, ever thought would rehabilitate, and then three years ago, we didn't see him again. And they said, he turned around, He's sober, he's got a subsidized apartment, he's reconciled with his daughter and granddaughter. Of all the guests we've ever had, I would never have imagined that, but that's like a feel-good story. This sort of feel-good story is one of many to come out of the South Oakland Warming Shelter, a unique grassroots effort started by St. Mary Catholic Church in Royal Oak. Since its founding nearly 40 years ago, countless unlikely relationships have blossomed between the Laura Millses and Santa Clauses of the world. Relationships between dozens of St. Mary's parishioners and the previously unknown homeless population in their midst, ecumenical relationships forged between churches of differing creeds, and hopefully, by opening the door to Christ Church, the door is opened for deeper relationships with God for people who are constantly on the margins. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. This episode of Detroit Stories is brought to you by Weingarts, everything from lawn to snow. Over the years, Weingarts has grown to offer an unbeatable selection of outdoor power equipment, and their experienced service technicians and unmatched parts inventory keep your equipment running like new. Visit www.wineguards.com to shop for your lawn and garden needs and find a convenient location near you. Every year for the last 20 years, for a few weeks during the winter months, Heather Croy's day really begins in the evenings when St. Mary's bells ring at seven. During the day, she's a special education teacher for the Redford Union Schools. But in the evenings, she's the coordinator of St. Mary's Warming Shelter. And 7 p.m. is when dozens of temporary residents start lining up outside the Fellowship Center across from the church to be offered shelter from the cold. Um, There is a bus with a fabulous gentleman who drives them every night. Um, We get them in the door as quickly as we can. They register by going through the line and just telling us their name. For a few weeks each year, thanks to dozens of hardworking volunteers, this fellowship center where St. Mary's parishioners have donuts and coffee after mass, and which St. Mary's students use for a gymnasium, 
is completely transformed. The gym is lined with cots made up with bedding and pillows and partitioned off with curtains for privacy. Freshly brewed coffee and tea is offered and tables are set up for dinner. The lights are dimmed. And while it's certainly no Marriott, the ambiance is a stark contrast from the 15 degree weather outside. The blustery wind that is shut out each time the door opens and closes makes the atmosphere seem even warmer. So folks come in and get organized. Um, There's also tables to sit down and relax at. During that time, um, the volunteers from St. Mary's, uh, they chuck people in, they sit down and visit with guests. Um, I like to go around and hear how everybody's day is. And then about eight o'clock, dinner is served. Before dinner is served, a volunteer will lead everyone in grace. And then parish volunteers cook, serve, and clear the meal. I'm super, super proud of our dinners. We have a fabulous woman named Karen who has been um, working in the kitchen and providing dinners even when we had 100 people. There's many local community restaurants that donate food for us. Um, So we have dinner um, and then Again, there's some downtime for folks just to hang out. And we do start to dim the lights about 9.30. Uh, They have to get up very, very early in the morning. So at 9.30, we dim the lights. And usually at 10 o'clock, it's pretty much lights out. Several volunteers stay round the clock for any needs that may arise in the night. Guests are woken up at 5.30 and are offered breakfast before piling onto the same bus from the previous evening and heading to a Presbyterian church a mile away that offers facilities during the daytime. Twice a week, several doctors and nurses from the parish are on hand to help guests as well. This ad hoc shelter was the response to a tragedy that happened in Royal Oak almost 40 years ago. The warming center in Royal Oak Um, is an organization of about seven churches. It's called the South Oakland um, Warming Centers. And the thing that's really special to us at St. Mary's is it started with our church, just our one little tiny church. Over 40 years ago, um, sadly, there was an individual who froze to death and was found uh, behind the library in Royal Oak and our pastor at that time said, you know, how how can this be? These are our neighbors. These are people who are on the same streets that we are on all the time and we we have to do something about this. Through the guidance of the pastor at that time, St. Mary parishioners organized a temporary shelter for Royal Oak's homeless in the winter evenings. They opened the church doors for the homeless to sleep on the pews and the floor of the church. The dinner they offered was simple, a sandwich and a cup of coffee. And as word spread about the initiative, so did the interest from other churches in getting involved. Eventually, six more churches in the area joined the effort, agreeing to transform their churches into temporary shelters. Emmanuel Bethel, Renaissance Vineyard, Star Presbyterian, Genesis, Berkeley Community Church, and Woodside Bible Church. With the combined efforts, each church takes two weeks to be the primary shelter in the evenings, covering the weeks of mid-December up to March. 
So we, it really is a conglomeration, conglomeration of all of the churches now. So um, each church, you know, has an equal responsibility. Each church has a coordinator that meets. We all meet together um, as a group and we plan throughout the year. So I would say that um, all the churches at that time are equal. Um, in the planning and the preparation and the carrying out, which is really, really wonderful. Um, and then at St. Mary's, at our particular church, we have a small core team that plans for what our two weeks of the winter is going to look like. What is unique about us is we are very grassroots. We're all volunteers we're not funded, and so we are open, you know, as a low barrier shelter where our 35 guests can come in. There are more organized shelters that um, folks can be signed up for. There's SOS that is available, not necessarily right in downtown Royal Oak, but in um, our South Oakland neighborhood, um, we are pretty much one of the only groups that's open. So there's a huge need for it, especially in our area of, you know, Royal Oak, Berkeley, you know, around the edges of Birmingham, um, Huntington Woods, you know, in, in our neighborhood over here. There's probably more available in Pontiac, and there's probably more available in Detroit, but, you know, right in this small area um, of Oakland County, there's not a lot that is available. You know, Royal Oak is, it's a big city, but it has a, a small town feel, and anytime you are walking around downtown or through some of the neighborhoods, you see, you know, people who are truly our neighbors, but just happen to be homeless. You know, they are living in the same area that we are living. Um, the difference is that, you know, we have everyday housing. So it absolutely takes care of a void. Wherever you are, um, you know, and you kind of see homeless folks, I always wonder, you know, where are you going tonight? What is your evening going to look like? And it just gives me a kind of peace knowing that, um, that, that we can do this for a smaller group of people. Before COVID, St. Mary's would welcome up to 110 residents into the gym. It was noisy and chaotic, but there was comfort in knowing they were sheltering as many people as possible from death. Post-COVID, everything has changed. The warming center works off of a guest list of around 40 COVID-tested residents maximum. This change has been difficult for Heather. And I think it's hard and overwhelming for me to think about. I love the shelter when there are 70 to 100 people. It's very, very busy. It's very, very boisterous. We know we have as many people in the door as we possibly can get. But... There's also a lot of risks with that, especially during times of COVID. Um, last year at St. Mary, we weren't able to open. So that meant that we serviced zero people for that period of time because COVID was so rampant. Um, you know, now with the 35, 
I really, really look forward to being able to have more folks come in, but I just don't know what that's going to look like, you know? Um, I, th- I think it's a question that we all have. I would love for it to be able to increase again, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Heather's been the coordinator at St. Mary's for 10 years now, but she's been volunteering since long before that. I started before that just being as a basic volunteer. I was um, pregnant with my son and he is 19 now. And the first time I signed up was to serve dinner. Um, And my job was just scooping out green beans as the guests went through um, the line and then um, just kind of hung out and talked to guests afterwards and realized that I had a real love um, for getting to know and work with this population. I just volunteered and did um, some other jobs when we were open, like passing out blankets the next year, um, helping to clean up the year after that. Um, Then I had um, a really significant experience. I think we all kind of have times where we feel like God is tapping us on the shoulder. And mine took place um, just sitting in mass like you do and kind of leafing through the bulletin um, before it started. And there was a note there that said that the current coordinator of our warming center, who had been there for 30 years, was thinking about retiring and they was wondering, they were wondering if there was anyone who would be interested in coordinating. And I, I really felt a strong presence that it was supposed to be me. And so I called um, our Christian service directory the next day and um, went through training for a couple years. And um, I've just been coordinating ever since then. For as long as Heather has been volunteering with the shelter, her passion is far from waning. She uses each minute of her work to connect with the people she's serving and the volunteers she's leading. In the evenings I was present, she was always sitting with the residents, catching up on their latest news, laughing, hugging. Every person there knows her by name. Have a question, concern, prayer request? Ask Heather. It's clear in the way she and other volunteers carry themselves that they believe that offering the homeless a place to stay is the baseline. And the deeper offering they strive for is imbuing some human dignity and compassion. It's obvious that the residents here at the shelter really feel that. That's all I can say, that it, the Spirit of God is here, and I'm thankful to God. This is a woman who came to stay at the shelter with her daughter. She prefers not to share her name and has asked for her voice to be dubbed. They were nice to me, but here where Laura, Catherine, and Heather, here at St. Mary's, God is here. And I didn't feel right until I came here. You know, I was bothered by being homeless because I didn't want to live like that. And when I came here, these ladies the last two weeks made my life better because I know at night when I come here, I'm safe. They're praying for me. There's some wonderful women. I'm not going to forget them ever. This proud grandmother of 12 and great-grandmother to one has been living with her daughter, a healthcare worker who also prefers not to share her name, for five years, who recently became homeless and is waiting for her housing voucher. She continued to work for a time, but it wasn't easy while staying in shelters. Um, it's been bumpy. It's been some bumps. 
I started going back to working, but because of the hours of me not getting enough rest, and then I had some family things come up too, it stopped me from going forward. So yeah, you know, it was a bad situation. But I'm still being positive about this thing, you know, as much as I can. It's hard. It's not easy. It's hard. They've been told getting housing could take anywhere from a few months to years. But in the meantime, while they are enduring the stress and humility of newfound homelessness, they are finding a home at St. Mary's. This is a wonderful thing right here. I've enjoyed this two weeks here, you know? Um, it's like when I go to sleep here, I, I don't even seem like I'm in this situation. And I enjoy coming back at night because it's so peaceful here. The staff, the volunteers are all extremely nice. They're very respectful. Um, and they'll do anything they can to help you. This is 55-year-old Kevin Brown, another resident who recently found himself homeless when his wife passed from COVID last year. We had Section 8, and of course it was in her name, and the lease was in her name. Um, I had probably a total of eight months after she passed before they actually went into the unit and set stuff out. Kevin has been working with the Community Housing Network to secure housing and feels hopeful it won't be a long process to get back in a home. So far, I've started paperwork for housing, um, started paperwork where I already had a case open for mental health, but I started that back over again and get my ID and stuff done tomorrow. I have an appointment to get that done, but if you take advantage of everything that they have to offer, there's no reason why you can't succeed within the 90 days that this that this program is open. Uh, the foreseeable future, of course, things take time. There's a lot of red tape involved and stuff, so people just really have to be patient. Kevin, who works for Amazon, has recently been transferred from Romulus to the new fulfillment center at the Old State Fairgrounds. But the opening date keeps getting pushed off. I'm still employed. I still get text messages from HR every day saying, just be patient, you're going to get in, You, we got you, we got you. In the meantime, Kevin's been selling plasma twice a week to supplement income. Kevin's story is like a lot of the ones I heard from the residents there. Stories of new homelessness and the strain COVID has put on financially vulnerable people. In the last two years, the Pontiac, Royal Oak, Oakland County region's homeless population jumped from 333 to 1,228. And while substance addiction and mental illness are certainly contributors, there is another growing number of homeless people. Like the man from cot number 24, who comes here after his shifts behind the fish counter at Westbourne Market. And a man wearing a work hat and boots who is strategizing his bus route to get to his construction job in Troy. They're people who are on the edge of stability and instability, and COVID pushed them in the wrong direction. When Kevin gets himself back into housing, he looks forward to volunteering for the shelter again. He knows firsthand the integral role volunteers have in the success of shelters like these. When he pulled himself out of his last stint of homelessness nearly 25 years ago after a brutal winter, he started volunteering as a chef in the kitchen of a shelter in Detroit. And I'm a chef by trade. I've come back and cooked everything for him. Yeah, that's something I do. I take that very seriously. I try to give back to the people that gave to me. While the impact of the shelter on the homeless community has been obvious by the fact that for many it's been a life-saving push through the winter months, 
the parishioners at St. Mary's have not been without impact as well. One of the things that I love the most um, when the warming center is at St. Mary's is that it is an activity that really and truly brings everyone together. Um, so um, the parishioners obviously volunteer um, to help run the shelter. Um, they also pray for the shelter. Our students, kindergarten through eighth grade, um, they participate in our shelter. The Boy Scout troop makes them little um, bags with necessities in them. Um, the different classrooms have packed them treat bags. I know that the students are praying for um, the group that is at the warming center. Um, the parents of the um, students and who are also parishioners, they um, volunteer to do the overnight shifts for us. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously our pastor, his name's Father Paul, is really, really supportive. Um, and I just think, you know, I talked about our parishioners who are nurses and our parishioners who are doctors helping out. Um, in the past, we've been able to have uh, haircuts and razor shavings done um, by our, our parishioners. So I just think it is a really, really fantastic way to um, unite your faith community. I'm just so grateful that we have that. The line between homeless and sheltered is blurring more and more. And even throughout the year when it's not winter, St. Mary's stands out in the Royal Oak community as a place to find refuge. It's not uncommon to see homeless people in the pews amongst St. Mary's congregation for masses. Last week, while surviving a church visit with my toddler, a homeless woman named Patricia gave him a juice box and distracted him for me so I could pray. Homeless people sleep in the vestibule beside the Mary statue throughout the year, come to coffee and donuts, and sit round the clock in the Mary garden outside. From parishioners who consider St. Mary's a second home, the message they hope to send is, this is your home too. It's just Matthew 25, isn't it? Um, I just really, really consider, um, you know, we're told, for I was hungry and you gave me to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. And the part that always gets me is that I was a stranger and you invited me in, you know? So so we're told these things, um, we're told these things by the Lord. And how often do we really get to do that? Like, where in my everyday life, um, you know, as a teacher, am I gonna have an opportunity to really reach out and provide those services um, to a stranger, to someone that I don't know. And I just think it is a great, great opportunity and there's so many different ways um, to help. We all see folks in our towns and in our cities, you know, who are struggling with having a home and we don't often have opportunities to help. And it can be as little as scooping out some green beans, you know, that just can, light a fire in your heart to kind of, you know, make you want to work with others and serve others. So, um, that, yeah, that's it, I guess. <laughs> Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This episode of Detroit Stories is brought to you by WineGuards, everything from lawn to snow. Over the years, WineGuards has grown to offer an unbeatable selection of outdoor power equipment, and their experienced service technicians and unmatched parts inventory keep your equipment running like new. Visit www.wineguards.com to shop for your lawn and garden needs and find a convenient location near you.